And so today, today is Palm Sunday, and I want to share the passage with you. I'm so excited for this message. This is a message that changed my life, and my prayer is it'll change yours too. And Palm Sunday, we call it Palm Sunday, but, but, or the triumphant entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. And so I want to show you the passage. Here it is, Luke chapter 19, and you can find this story in all of the Gospels. We're going to read together in Luke chapter 19, verses 29 through 40. And it says this, As he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, a donkey, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. Actually, I was thinking about this. I saw a nice Porsche out in the the parking lot today, and I thought, you know, I'm going to drive that home today. And if anybody asks me, I'm going to say, the Lord needs it. The Lord needs it. The Lord needs it. Now, those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owners asked him, why are you untying it? And they replied, the Lord needs it. And they brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. And when he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began to joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Hosanna, they said, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Now, some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. Teacher, tell them to knock it off. And he said to them this, I tell you, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. The title of the message today is I won't let the rocks cry out. I won't let the rocks cry out. Now I want to encourage us today because I was thinking what had happened in this story is that Jesus is entering into Jerusalem with passion. That's why we call it Passion Week. That's why we call it the Passion of Christ because he was passionately making his way to a cross. He so cared about you and had you in mind that that passion within him forced him to follow through all the way to the end with what he knew had to happen. The passion of Christ, we call it. And so as Jesus is entering Jerusalem, the crowds are shouting, they're dancing, they're yelling, they're saying Hosanna, they're waving palm branches, they're singing. They are doing this kind of response as Jesus comes into Jerusalem. And the Pharisees say to Jesus, make them stop that. That's inappropriate. And Jesus, what he's saying to them in that moment is, no, this is exactly appropriate. This is the appropriate response to me. They should be doing exactly what they're doing. In fact, even if I told them to stop, the rocks would cry out because he's worthy. And I was thinking about that And I just wrote this down in my notes and I wrote down, the passion of Christ demands the passion of you. The passion of Christ demands the passion of me. Could I say it this way? The passion of Christ deserves the passion of us. And so let me ask this question in the room and online today. Is your praise passionate? Is your praise passionate? And that's what we're going to unpack today in this message. In fact, I can remember a time 
And this is when my life changed. This is the moment I decided in my heart, I will not let the rocks cry out in my place. And I remember it so well. And I had gone, I had gone to church at different times throughout my life, but there was this one particular church In fact, I moved to the city just to go to this church because of my life was so drastically changed. And what happened is I remember walking into this church on that particular Sunday and I I went and I sat down in a worship service, much like what we're in today. And I remember sitting there and, and then as the worship began, I began to look around the room and I kept thinking to myself, these people look like they want to be here. (laughs) They look happy to be here. They, They look like they know something I don't know. And I watched as they sang and they shouted and they lifted their hands and I just looked around the room and to be honest, I was a little uncomfortable because I didn't understand it in the moment. But in that, I knew they have something that I need. There's something they know that I don't know. There's, there's something about that. There was something about that experience. And then just a few weeks later, I was so grateful. I remember the pastor got up and he preached a message much like you're about to hear today that made me understand. And what he wanted to answer that day is why do we praise like we do? Why do we praise like we do? And if it's okay with you and you want to know, I want to answer that today. Why do we praise like we do. We already know Jesus, he, he's saying it's an appropriate response. That's what he was saying in Luke chapter 19. Why do we praise like we do? I want to give you three things today. You ready? I don't, I don't believe you. I'm, but by the end of this message, so help me, I will believe you. Number one is this. We praise God because he asks for it. We praise God because he asks for it. I don't know if you know this, but in your Bible, there's a book called Psalms. That word Psalms means songs. That's that's what the translation is there. And there's 150, 150 Psalms that God gave us in his word that explain to us how he asks for praise. I don't know if you knew this. And and it explains it out to us and it tells us about this word praise. When you get to uh, Psalm 150, and we're gonna read it together, it's basically the compilation of all the Psalms. It's kind of like the end of the book that gives you the summary. Here's what we just went over. Let me just give it to you all at once. That's Psalms 150. So let's read it together. Psalms 150, verses one through six. And it says this, praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his suppressing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Dun, dun, dun. Is that good? (laughs) Praise him with the harp and lyre. Like it's an instrument, not the lyre, lyre. Pants on fire. Praise him with the timbrel and dancing. Praise him with the strings and the pipe. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. God likes the drums loud, even if you and I don't. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And if you missed it, praise the Lord, the Bible says. I want to show you that word praise that we just read over and over and over. In Hebrew, it's the word hallel. It's where we get our word hallelujah. Halal and Yah means God, Yahweh, praise the Lord is what hallelujah means. Let me show you this Hebrew word. Here's what it means. To shine, to make a show, to boast, to thus be clamorously foolish, to rave and to celebrate. 
Now, I'll be honest, when I read that word, I feel like it describes more of a football game at the shoe or the big house than a Sunday service. I'm being neutral today. Neutral. But think about it. Here's what that word, when he says, praise the Lord, what did he say? I want you to shine. I want you to make a show. I want you to boast. I want you to be foolish. I want you to rave. I want you to celebrate. That's what that word means. And, and, I'll, and I want to encourage us today. Why do we praise God like we do? Because he asked for it. You and I don't decide how we praise God. He tells us how he likes it. Anybody? It's one thing if my husband keeps getting me gifts and let's say I hate chocolate, but he keeps getting me chocolate. And he's like, but I love you and I'm showing you. No, you're not. I hate chocolate. That's not how I asked for it. That's not how I like it. The same when we come into the house of the Lord or when you're in your time, whenever that is, God asks for praise a certain way. And this is what revolutionized my experience of how I connected to God. And I want to show it to you today. In fact, I want to show you from the Psalms and some other passages, six acts of praise that God asked for in the Bible. Six acts of praise. Here's the first one. Sing. <laughs> Psalm 30 verse four says, sing to the Lord, all you godly ones. In other words, like literally open your mouth and make a noise. And some of us, if you're like me, we could think, or if, especially if you're like Pastor Kyle, it doesn't sound good. I'm going to stay on this side. But listen, it sounds good to God. And in fact, there are 77 times in the Psalms that God says, sing to the Lord. Sing to the Lord. Open up your mouth and make a joyful noise. Sing to the Lord. And I want to caution us when we come together and we say we're here to worship King Jesus. We're here to praise the Lord. We should do it like he asks for it. And it doesn't even matter if you know the words. I make up the words all the time. They're not the same words as on the screen, but it doesn't matter. God likes it. I just know that I have to participate and I'm going to sing to the Lord and make a joyful noise unto him. So I want to encourage you. Why do we praise God like we do? Why do we sing? Because he asked for it. He asked for it. He likes it. Here's the second thing he asked for in the Bible. And it's this clap. Psalm 47 verse one, the beginning of verse one there. It says, come everyone, clap your hands. I want you to think about why do we clap for something? When I clap for something, I'm saying, I agree with that. I appreciate that. I celebrate that. I'm in line with that. I acknowledge that. That's why we clap our hands, right? In fact, even if I'm, cla if I'm clapping at my kids, well, it's none of those things. I'm trying to get their attention. Right? That's the mom clap. Everybody knows the mom clap. But it's still getting attention, right? I say, here I am. On the count of three, I want everybody to clap. One, two, three. Give me your best clap. Clap, clap, clap. God likes it. He likes it. He asked for it, in fact. Then here's the next thing that God asked for, and it's this. Shout. Look at it, Psalm 47, one. I'm not telling you what I think we should do. I'm telling you what God says we should do. And so in Psalm 47, verse one, it says, shout to God with a, pray, a 
joyful praise in your mouth. Shout to God. I want you to think about that because so often a shout is a, it's a loud acknowledgement. Again, I'm agreeing, I'm acknowledging, I'm proclaiming, I'm getting in alignment with that. And very often in scripture, when you see a shout, it had everything to do with victory. Think about all the stories you know in the Bible when it said, give a shout. Think about Jericho. Why did the walls come down? What brought them down? The shout. It wasn't the silence round and round the walls, though that was a part of it. That's not what brought the walls down. And in fact, every time the Bible talks about shouting, that shout isn't just because something good happened. In fact, the shout is what made the thing happen. It's what brought the victory. It's what brought the break breakthrough. They gave a shout and then the victory came. And I just want to challenge us. I realize for some that's so uncomfortable to you. But I don't know why. Maybe like me, when I sat there and I started to see it in the pages of scripture and I decided I won't let the rocks cry out in my place. If God wants a shout, oh, he'll get a shout from me. If God needs a shout, he's going to get a shout from me. If I am feeling like I have no victory, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to shout because it's attached to my victory. Come on. One, two, three. Give me the best shouts you got. You're practicing now. Give a shout to Jesus and clap your hands. Do you understand how bad y'all need this message? Come on. One, two, three. Jesus! Victory! I definitely got the right message. You know what else he likes? Dancing. Uh-oh. Psalm 149.3. Praise the name with dancing. All over scripture. It's all over scripture. Just the other day, the children's pastor, the children's director, she came to me. She's like, man, I got to tell you, my six-year-old, I'm going to refrain from telling you his name because I'm a little embarrassed right now to tell you his name. So anyway, he, he, he came and, he, and she, she said, she came to me. She goes, oh man, he was dancing like crazy in worship in the kids' ministry. I was like, I was so excited. I'm like, that is so cute. I'm like, yeah, I know. You know, we taught him. And she's like, I mean, the only problem was the moves were pretty inappropriate. <laughs> I said, definitely his dad taught him that. That is all his dad. But why do we praise God like we do? It's okay to move. God gave you that body to celebrate and honor him with it. It's a sacrifice of praise. I am not saying we're going to be disturbing, that we have to disturb and make attention drawn to us. That's not the point. Anytime all attention is on me, now I've drawn the attention away from Jesus. But in alignment with each other, it's okay if my body's moving a little bit to the rhythm and to the singing and to the clapping and to the shouting. Why? He asked for it. Do I have to know another reason? He asked for it. He asked for it. He likes it. Here's another one. Here's another one he asked for. This one's going to get you. Lift your hands. Here it is. Psalm 134, 2. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary. And you're going to see that repeated all throughout scripture. 
Lift your hands in the sanctuary. Lift your hands towards the heavens. Lift your hands towards God. This one threw me, and I was so grateful when I heard the word on that day. It suddenly made sense to me because I would have told you it's a Pentecostal thing. (laughs) It's a charismatic thing. It's a personality thing. It's a personality thing. Nope. He asks for it. He asks for it. He likes it. In fact, just think about all over Scripture, You'll think about when we lift our hands, what it means. It's an act of surrender. It's an act of receiving. It's an act of acknowledging. It's an act of aligning myself to the heavens and to Jesus. What is raising my hands? There is meaning in it. It is me abandoning me and my wants and my desires. And I am now aligning myself with God. I surrender. I receive. I acknowledge. I proclaim. I declare. I point towards Jesus when I do that. Why do we praise like we do? Because God asks for it. I promise you the trees will stretch out. The mountains will grow taller. The rocks will get big. It'll all acknowledge Jesus and lift their hands. And I won't let the rocks cry out. I lift my hands in the sanctuary because God asks asks for it. In fact, you ready? You knew we were going to practice this, right? All across the room, I want you to throw both hands, unless you're in a sling, and then in Jesus' name, be healed, and then throw that hand up. (laughs) Throw your hands up, just two hands up. I realize, look, can you imagine? I want you to look around. Keep them up. Look around. We adore you, Jesus. We declare you are King of kings and Lord of lords. You are ruler over it all. We align ourselves with you. We receive all that you have. We give you surrender now, God. You and you alone deserve it. You know what it does when you do things that God asks for? It makes you less in him more. It reminds you who's king. It reminds you that in spite of what you feel like doing, there's some acts of praise that cause God to take notice, lean down, and fall favor on you. It just does. Here's the final one. And I, have, I, I would commit my life to just teaching this one because I feel like this is a missing one for so many in churches everywhere. But I can't figure out why because it's in the Bible. Here it is. Acts chapter 4, verse 24. What does he ask for? He asks you to raise your voice together in prayer. This is interesting. And in Acts chapter four, what's happened is some things have happened and now they're coming together. They're sharing what has happened. And when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. So often, and I'm not saying it's appropriate all the time. Sometimes we're giving a salvation call. And in that moment, we're all gonna, we're gonna stay quiet and let the pastor lead us in that. But if a leader or a pastor or God says, raise your voices together in prayer, here's what we do. That's not, that's not what he meant. And I want to encourage us because it's really important. We all get very comfortable praying out loud. <laughs> You're commissioned and I'm commissioned as a follower of Christ. It's not just me and Jesus. I'm commissioned to take the good news to others, to take the freedom and the healing that I have and spread it around to others. And we don't have to have all the right words and we don't always have to know what to say, but there's appropriate times in God's house when God's people are together that we lift our voices together in prayer. And if you don't know what to say, that's okay. You just say, praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus.
Jesus. I agree, Jesus. You are worthy, Jesus. There's stuff you could say, but there's something about the voices that are together. I'm telling you, it's what heaven's gonna sound like. In fact, I don't know if you know this, but in the Bible, there's only 30 minutes of silence ever in heaven. One time. I piqued your interest. You go find it. That's your homework. The rest of the time, they're worshiping. They're praising. They're declaring. There's only that time. So here's what we're going to do. You know we're going to practice, right? So I'm going to count to three. And what I want, all of us are participating, dying to flesh in this moment. So we're going to participate. At the count of three, I want you to say your first name, last name, your address. And if you're worried about identity theft, tell the person next to you's address and your zip, city, state, and zip code. Get it? First name, last name, address, city, state, zip code, all together. One, two, three. That's what it should sound like. That's it. That's it. There's a unity in that. There's a participation in that. Why do we praise God like we do? Because he asked for it. He likes it. There's something about that. And here's my challenge to us today. This is what challenged me. Don't become more committed to your comfort zone than you are the commands of God. Don't become more committed to your tradition of how you were raised and how you saw it before than you are about what God asks you to do in scripture. There is a freedom that comes when we praise God like he asks for. That's what Jesus was trying to tell the Pharisees. This is appropriate. And if I tell them to stop shouting and clapping and singing and raising their voice together and giving shouts of praise and waving those branches and dancing, even if I told them to stop, the rocks would cry out because somebody's going to. May it be you and may it be me, and may it be this house. We praise him like we do because he asks for it. Here's the second one. You ready? Number two is this. We praise God because of what he's done. Because of what he's done. In fact, in Luke chapter 19, verses 37 through 40, it says, remember, he's entering Jerusalem and that the whole crowd is doing this. It says the whole crowd of disciples burst into enthusiastic praise over all the mighty works they had witnessed. And then some of the Pharisees said, teacher, get your disciples under control. But he said, if they keep quiet, the stones will do it for them. The stones will shout praise to me. In here, it says they were doing it. Why? Because of what he had done. They had witnessed the miracles of Jesus. I started to think about that and I thought in that crowd, if you think about who's in the crowd, we can only speculate, we're not actually told. But in that crowd, they had seen Jesus multiply the bread. They had been on the hillside when they all got food, when they were hungry. They had seen Jesus heal the sick. They had seen Jesus heal the blind. They had seen Jesus raise the dead. They had seen it and they're celebrating because of what he had done. But think about it in the moment. It wasn't just people who had witnessed miracles. There were people in that crowd that had been the miracle. Think about it. In that crowd, I just wonder, I can only speculate because the Bible doesn't tell me. I wonder if blind Bartimaeus was in the crowd that day. The beggar that was sitting on the side of the road and he cried out when Jesus passed him, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and he, and he said to this man, Bartimaeus, he said, what do you want? What do you need? He said, I want to see. Jesus said, be healed. Yeah. 
Go see and go tell everyone you know. And the Bible says blind Bartimaeus, who was no longer blind, he could now see, got up and began to follow Jesus from there on out. I wonder if Lazarus was in the crowd who had just weeks prior, days prior, been dead for four days and buried in a tomb. But let me tell you, Jesus messes up every funeral he goes to, even his own. (laughs) Jesus walks up on Lazarus' tomb and says, Lazarus, come on out. I bet Lazarus was there. And I bet Mary and Martha were there and all the family. They were there. Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes. I wonder, I wonder if the paralyzed man is there. You know, the four friends, they, they kid his mat and they carry him to Jesus and they put a hole in the roof and they lower him down. And Jesus looks at that man and he says, your sins are forgiven and get up and walk. I guarantee he's there and he's dancing and he's jumping and he's shouting and he's praising God for what he had done. I wonder if the woman with the issue of blood was there. She had to be isolated from the crowds for 12 years. But then Jesus, one touch of Jesus, she was healed. And now here she is in the midst of the crowd, rubbing shoulders with the crowd, shouting Hosanna. I wonder, I wonder if the woman caught in adultery was there. You know, because she was about to be stoned to death and Jesus intervenes and says, let him who has no sin throw the first stone to which nobody could. And then he looks at the woman and he says, now go, you are forgiven, but sin no more. I bet she's there and I bet she's dancing and I bet she's shouting and I bet she's singing. I wonder if the demoniac is there. The man who was living in a cave naked, tormented most of his life with no freedom, in bondage to sin, in bondage to addiction, in bondage to demonic possession, with no freedom. But Jesus gets in a boat, goes across the lake, gets out on the shore, up comes the demonized man, and Jesus says, unclean spirits come out of him. And the Bible says he falls at the feet of Jesus, and he says, let me come with you. You've said, I want to praise you for what you've done. And Jesus says, no, don't come with me now. Go back and tell everyone you know. I bet he's there, and I bet he brought everybody he knew there too. Why do we praise him like we do? Because of what he's done. Because of what he's done. And so the next time you're standing in the room like this and you look over and you see a man like Pastor Kyle shouting and fist pumping and yelling and singing off key and singing all the wrong words. I want you to remember he's doing it because of what God's done. He was a man that was in bondage to addiction. He was a man that was literally a prisoner. I had no 
and he's carrying her through it. I'm just asking, are you going to let the rocks cry out? Are you going to praise him for what he's done? We all have something to praise him for. And the passion of Christ demands the passion of me. I'm challenging us today. I'm praising him in my heart. Bless your heart. Listen, that's okay, but it's not a personality thing. It's because he asks for it. There's an expression of it, and he tells us what it is, and he's done something in your life. If you know Jesus is Savior, you have something to praise him for, and we're going to praise him for what he's done. I want to show you a passage that Jesus expects. Let me say it this way. Jesus expects you to praise him for what he's done. I don't know if we see Jesus as the weak man that like he just went and it doesn't matter how we respond to him. He has expectations. The covenant is two ways. The loyalty has to go both ways. And in fact, there's this passage. I read it this week and I thought I have to share it. It's in Luke chapter 17 and it's verses 15 through 18. And what has happened is 10 lepers have come to Jesus begging to be healed. And Jesus says, go, go show the priests. And all 10 of them were healed. Now read the passage with me. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, he came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and he thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus asked, listen, this breaks my heart. Listen, we're not all 10 cleansed. Where's the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this one? <laughs> Sometimes as a pastor, I look around the room and I think that has no one returned to give praise to God, but just a few, I won't let the rocks cry out. And Jesus is saying in that moment, make sure you come back and praise me like I asked for. Make sure when God moves in your life that the response is appropriate and one he's looking for. In fact, and then he finishes out and he says to the one that did come back and praise him, he says, rise and go. Your faith has made you well, which leads us to our third and final one. And here it is. Why do we praise God like we do? Number three, we praise God because it builds our faith. It builds our faith. There's something about getting together and praising God like he asks for that even if I'm not feeling it, even if I've got stuff going on in my life, even if not everything is going well, there's something about praising God in that moment that builds our faith. When I begin to sing like he asked for, the words that I'm singing will suddenly take root in my heart and I'll finally start to believe it. I'll finally start to align to it. There's something about it that builds our faith. Let me show it to you. Psalms 105 verse two, it says, sing to him, sing praise to him, tell of all his wonderful acts, glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. When I come in this space and I'm praising God like he asked for because of what he's done, my faith begins to lift. I want to tell you a story. How many hunters, and do I have any hunters in the room? 
Now, if that bothers you, if that offends you, pretend like we're talking about taking wildlife pictures and hanging them on our walls, okay? But I was thinking about this, about how it builds our faith. And my, I was on the phone with my sister this week and we were having a conversation and my brother-in-law was involved in the conversation and my brother-in-law is a big hunter. He loves to hunt. And so we were talking about hunting. My son's getting into it a little bit more and we were just having a conversation and he's, he was telling me about bird dogs and how they work. And his dad, had always, he'd been raised with bird dogs and he was saying, what'll happen is when you have two bird dogs and you take them out hunting, one of them, when they pick up the scent of the bird to point the direction of where the hunter needs to be looking and heading and shooting, that dog, when it picks up the scent, it will freeze where it is, it'll pick up its leg, its tail goes straight back and its nose goes straight out and it'll just point. That's how it points and it freezes. But what was interesting is he said this. He said, and the other dog, even if it's 30 to 40 yards away and it doesn't have the scent and it doesn't know where the bird is, it will honor the point of the first dog. It'll freeze and begin to point in the direction it sees the first dog pointing. And it'll stay, it'll honor that until it picks up the scent. I thought about that. I thought, how often do I come in here? And can I be honest? I'm not always feeling it. <laughs> Maybe I'm tired. Maybe I'm disappointed. I might be anxious. I might've just got bad news. Something didn't go right in rehearsal, whatever it is. And I'll come in to this place and I'll have my hands in my pockets. I'm just kind of here but I might look over to my left and see someone pointing. And I'll catch a little glimpse and I'll think to myself, I'm gonna honor the point. They sent God. They feel the presence of God. And though I don't yet, maybe if I just honor the point and I begin to go, I'm gonna lift my hands. I'm not feeling it yet. I don't even have the scent yet, but I'm gonna honor the point. I'm gonna give a shout. I'm gonna clap my hands because you are. I'm gonna sing out even though I don't know the words and I don't feel like it. I'm gonna honor the point. And you better believe pretty soon, I'm starting to pick up the scent. Pretty soon, I'm sensing God's presence. Pretty soon, I'm not just honoring the point, I'm now leading the point. And now somebody beside me is gonna look over and they're gonna think, I'm gonna honor the point. I'm gonna honor the point. I just wanna challenge us today. Can you honor the point? Can you trust it? It's not just about you. And I wanted to prepare us. This is what the house of praise should look like. We praise God because he asks for it. We praise Jesus because of what he's done. And when we praise God, our faith will build and it needs to because next weekend on Easter weekend, there's gonna be thousands of visitors in this place and we've gotta set the way. We think that we're gonna put people off by shouting and clapping and singing. No, it's what drew me in when I walked into that place and I said, they've got something I don't have. They've got something I need. Let's just honor the point next weekend. Honor the point and watch as God falls.
He's worthy. He's worthy. I want you to pray with me for a minute and then don't move. Nobody gets to leave. You stay where you are because we're going to respond. But first, I want to pray. And I just want to say to those of us in the room or maybe online, like you know something's knocking at your heart, but you've been an outsider to Jesus most of your life. You wouldn't say that you're an insider, (laughs) that you've surrendered to him, that you're in relationship with him. And the Bible tells us if we'll confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, he will save you. And so all across the room, if that's you, you say you want to give Jesus your life today, or maybe you've long walked away from him and you know you need to rededicate your life. Would you just lift your hand towards heaven? We're going to pray right now. I'm going to pray for you. Here's what I want you to do right where you are. I see your hands right where you are. I just want you to pray this in your heart. Today, Jesus, I choose you. I give you my life. All that I am is yours today. I repent of my sin. Now would you make me brand new and wash me clean. I receive this gift of salvation and now fill me with your spirit and show me how to walk with you the rest of my days in Jesus' mighty name, in Jesus' name. Would you stand to your feet for just a minute? I want to obey the Lord in this moment and we're going to, we're going to worship. (laughs) And am I saying you have to do all those six things all at once? No, but can I just ask you, can I implore you, do something you've never done. Respond some way to the Lord and watch what he does soon. The first thing I want to practice together is I wanted to ask Pastor Kyle to come up. Alex, would you mind just coming right up here? I want to I think that we could raise our voices together in prayer. And I don't know if this is Alex Hobson and Kelly and Aaron, you guys can come up and I'm going to have everybody surrounded just a minute. But Alex has been fighting kidney disease. He's been doing dialysis hours and hours every week. But Alex, we're so proud of your faith. Not once have you denied God or not trusted God or not declared his goodness. God is pleased with your honor. You're constantly leading the point. You're constantly leading the point and you have every reason not to. And we're believing for a miracle for his life. He needs a kidney transplant. He needs God to touch his kidneys. And we want to, as one body, we're going to lift our voices so loud that heaven can't deny we're calling upon it. Amen. And so I want you to front row, come lay hands on Alex, and we're going to lift our voices. And then we're going to go into a time of worship. When we end this prayer, we're going to worship and praise God and give him our lives today. I want you to stretch your hands towards Alex, and I'm going to start praying, and I want your voices to add to mine. You just agree with what we're saying. Come on, let's ask heaven. Today, God, we lift up Alex to you. We declare healing power to fall on him now in Jesus' name. Come on, church, lift your voices. We declare, God, that you are good and you are faithful. May you be with him. May you strengthen his faith. May you let peace be upon him. But God, we're speaking to those kidneys and we're commanding they start operating as you've designed them. Would you begin to reform those kidneys in Jesus' name? Would you show him favor with the hospitals, favor with the doctors? We pray you would align and speed up this process of this kidney transplant, God. We ask for your healing to touch him in the name of Jesus. We ask for a strengthening. We pray right now that the side effects would reverse in the name of Jesus. We command a spirit of infirmity to go now in Jesus' name. We say you are healed in the name of Jesus. He sent forth his word and healed him, the Bible says. And we stand in a 
alignment with that healing. Jesus, everywhere you went, your healing power was. You healed the blind. You healed the deaf. You healed the sick. You raised the dead. And we're asking right now, you would resurrect these kidneys in the name of Jesus. Let your hand be upon him in Jesus' name. May he be a shining light. May he be foolish for you. We celebrate. You are worthy, Jesus. Let it be God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Victory in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, all across this room, respond to the Word of God today. Let Him work in your heart in Jesus' name. Let's worship the King of kings.